This is the Out of Time Film Podcast, where your hosts, Tom and John, discuss everything from blockbuster films to TV and games like there's no tomorrow. Hello and welcome to the Ask Time Film Podcast. My name is Tom and as always I'm joined with my co-host John and this week we Hello. are talking about Blue Beetle. Yes, the long-awaited DCU film. So this is the first DCU film that James Gunn has stated in his video that he presented all the new DC films that he was talking about. He kind of said like Superman Legacy is the first DCU film. But this is the first DCU character. character. So I don't really know what this means. And then we have Aquaman coming as well. So it kind of like, this is like a weird like limbo where yeah. I guess it is going to be part of the universe, but also it's not fully the DCU yet. It's very confusing. Very confusing, but he was talking about Blue Beetle anyway. But yeah, this is a film that I've been waiting for since the cancellation of Batgirl. Now that whole thing, that whole drama was just so worrying and like, oh no, are we not going to see Blue Beetle? Like, what is one of us doing? So I'm so glad we have seen Blue Beetle and it's out and we thought it was going to get cancelled. But yeah, it's here. It's finally here. Yeah, I'm so glad. I mean, you're right. Like, a lot of DC movies were kind of in danger for a little bit. And I, I really can't believe that they chose The Flash over Batgirl. <laughs> oh now, obviously, we're, ne- we're not going to see Batgirl anytime soon. So yeah. we'll never know. Maybe one day, but right now we, we don't know whether Batgirl would have been better than The Flash. But I like to imagine that it was better than The Flash. Like, it's not difficult to make a movie better than The Flash. But yeah, so, Blue Beetle, full spoilers ahead for anyone who hasn't seen it. Briefly explain the plot for those who don't know. All right. Jaime Reyes suddenly finds himself in a possession of an ancient relic of alien biotechnology called the Scarab. When the Scarab chooses Jaime to be its symbiotic host, He's bestowed with an incredible suit of armor that's capable of extraordinary and unpredictable powers, forever changing his destiny as he becomes the superhero Blue Beetle. Fantastic. So I want to kind of start almost as we have kind of talked about already, but I think that DC's had a bit of a rocky run recently. I've always been somebody who thinks that DC have made really, really great films. I don't believe that they are bad like I think a lot of general audiences do. You know, I don't think they're just subpar Marvel. I think they make interesting work. But recently that hasn't exactly been true. You know, The Flash, I really didn't like. Shazam and Black Adam, I thought they were fine, but really they deserved to be more than fine. And there were elements that really frustrated me because it was all there. They just didn't really, you know, push it through. Obviously we had the Batman, but that wasn't DC. U D C E U, but you know yeah so it's been over a year at this point we've had a few movies which have been a bit worrying from dc i'm really happy that blue beetle is like the clouds parting it's like we're back we're so back <laughs> we're back and blue beetle Be- was awesome like what, what did you think yeah i absolutely agree it's been such a terrible year for us and you know for dc universe you know like we've just been waiting for a banger of a movie something that can help to revitalize dc or you know what dc really is and the flash that was depressing you can find out our discussion on the flash we weren't happy but we won't go into that but (laughs) yeah blue beetle this was oh my god i was just so happy like afterwards when i saw the film i was just like yes we're so back we are we are so back this is just a really good film 
it's something that has been missing this year because we've seen a lot of Marvel content this year with Secret Invasion, Ant-Man and Quantumania. I think those are the two projects that, I mean, there's Spider-Verse, but heavily Marvel stuff. And you're forgetting Guardians. Oh, Guardians as well. Yes, Guardians. And yeah, it's just like something really refreshing to see. Let's get into the whole thing with Blue Beetle. Yeah, I think that the first thing about this movie that struck me was this beautiful family dynamic that was in the center Mm. of this movie that I think worked so amazingly. The marketing definitely kind of tried to push it. There was this one slogan that was like, Jaime (laughs) Reyes is the first superhero in his family. And it's like, right, great. But I think genuinely that is such a great part of the movie. That is the heart and the soul of it. Yeah. And... They really craft this family really, really well. And I think, you know, it kind of reminded me in a way of Shazam, the first Shazam, that is, the way that that crafted its family dynamic and the way that was such a big part of the movie. What you need in a superhero movie is for the people around our main hero to really work their family or their lack of family or their friends. Like these things have to work, otherwise the movie isn't going to work. And I think that the main reason why Blue Beetle works is because the family dynamic works. Yeah, there's so much heart, there's so much love in that family and so much funny moments in the family that I just really enjoyed, especially with Rudy. Like Rudy was just so funny, you know, with his inventions and, you know, his lines, you know, it was just really upbeat. And it's been such a roller coaster with this family, you know, later on the film, the father. It's such an emotional moment where you just completely just feel you have this connection with the family. It's just so sad. And it's just like, wow, I didn't expect that for the superhero film. But there's some superhero films that miss emotional beats. But this one, these emotional beats were just so well made. And it's just like completely crafted to be connected with this family. And it just hits so hard, especially when the father died. Yeah, that was such a gut-wrenching sequence. Because as I say, you know, we've come to love these characters. And the father has been really, really great. And then what we get is this really heartbreaking moment where he has the heart attack. And it comes after we've seen them be dragged out of their homes. The military come and they drag these people out of their homes and you can see the torment on them. And they're just so innocent. Like everyone, all the Reyes family are so innocent and they don't deserve this. And there's a lot of mirroring to like, you know, real political things that happen. And, you know, the way that governments and military treat people's families and people's homes and just kind of lift them out of these situations and then leave them just devastated with nothing. And the way that they use this sequence, they use this kind of like crossfading technique as we see, you know, all the lights of the police and we see everybody as Alberto is almost going to die and he's in the ambulance and they're trying to to revive him and Mm. it doesn't work and you can feel that pain so much there's a brilliant brilliant line from the grandmother when she says to Jaime's sister she says I know exactly how you feel and this is tough for all of us but now is not the time for tears and then later on as soon as the battle is over they are all hugging in the ship and she says now is the time for tears and everyone just breaks down and you can feel that like you know who can't relate to that idea of losing a parental figure like that it's not early on in the movie it's kind of two-thirds of the way in so we have the opportunity to bond with them and, and really feel that gut punch yeah it just hit so hard you could come close to tears and to the villain side of the story i was a bit lost with the villain for the first half of the film i was like oh who is this villain exactly and i was hoping that it wasn't going to be one-dimensional like could we see something with this villain and we did we got to see you know he tries to obtain the powers of the scarab 
And then we got to finally find out who he is, you know, how did he come to part with Victoria in the story that's the villain of the film. And it just hits you. It just hits you with these memories where he's just been through a lot of pain. And it was actually the company that destroyed his whole life. He lost some of his limbs, his family, even, you know, his mother. It really hit you in that last section of the movie. So I'm glad it hit those at that time. So, yeah, I thought it was just well balanced. You know, we got to explore something and then we got to the emotional parts later on. Yeah, I was surprised that the villain of Blue Beetle surprisingly has a lot of depth in his final moments. And that did surprise me. And I do feel like it would have been good if that yeah, was a bit stronger throughout. I agree. I feel like we always come back to the fact that there's so many great comic book movies that really just struggle with their villains. It it became, you know, a bit of a joke in the MCU particularly that they had a villain problem. They'd make great movies again and again. But yeah, the villains were really forgettable. And while I don't think that's always strictly true, and definitely not always strictly true for DC, because DC have had some fantastic villains. This was very indicative of the fact that we have a lot of ingredients here that the villains could be so much more than they're giving... And yet they just don't quite have that opportunity. Like the idea that this person has just been used as a tool by this company this whole time, uses a weapon of war ever since it was a child by Victoria, the head of the company specifically, who has taken his memories. Like I didn't even know that she'd taken his memories until later on in the movie that I don't think that was communicated. And I feel like that could have been a really strong part. But I do think at the same time when they revealed it, that was so good and so yeah. emotional. And when he decides to take control and blow up the entire island and drag Victoria into the flames, now that really did still manage to hit because I feel like they yeah. did at the last minute give him that character growth. Yeah, I wish we could have explored more about this particular villain. Like, they do kind of have, like, the same powers, but I wish there was some more depth, as you said, with this villain. So, yeah, that last part just hit really hard. I really liked the CGI in this film. I mean, some parts looked a bit out of place, but no, overall, it was good. The VFX was pretty clean with his suit. Oh, and just... I mean, do you remember when the original images for the Blue Beetle suit came online? Oh. Like, the, the set pictures... Oh. It so looked good. amazing, absolutely it looked beautiful. Amazing, like so many comic book costumes. I was like, "This is going to be great." I hope they don't just cake over it with CGI, and they didn't. And it just looked yeah. fantastic. I feel like there's a, there's this big problem that superhero movies have these days with nanotech and with suits oh, kind of no. coming on in an instant. Not nanotech. And... <laughs> We can't yeah. deal more with nanotech. It's just like getting to the point where it just appears and that's it. It's just like, well, that's not giving you any purpose to the suit or this nano thing. Yeah, It just yeah. comes on in a second and it's like, oh, great. Now I'm suited up. There's no opportunities for any drama where maybe a superhero can't get to their suit. Like, remember in Iron Man 3 when oh. Tony Stark's house is collapsing and he's trying to get it and he, and he gets his suit finally, but it's a malfunctioning suit. It's a prototype suit. And so he's got to creatively find ways to deal with these helicopters top tier i love iron man 3 oh, but, iron man 3 um, so good yes what a great movie right well, great um, movie. but like you know like a lot very recently you know black panther where his suit can just kind of come on immediately or the mighty thor where her helmet disappears and reappears or an ant-man where they can just kind of snap their or, or even iron man in endgame and infinity war his suit just kind of not that there isn't creative ways to use nanotech but i think that this is a really really cool idea especially when his suit first comes on all of his clothes burn off and you can see it literally welding itself onto his skin what's really unique about jaime and about blue beetle in this form is that 
he can't escape the suit physically you know like the scarab is literally attached to him and i really liked the idea that the more he uses it the more he kind of becomes in tune with it there's a symbiosis there i do wish that the voice wasn't quite so computer generated if that makes sense yeah yeah i know what you mean like I wish there was some heart into the intonation of the voice, you know, like you could have done something like Jarvis from Iron Man, you know, like... Yeah, exactly. Like Jarvis really works. And I don't know if this was just a computer generated voice, but it sounded like it was. And I think that my main kind of problem is that it says things that feel like they should have more emotion behind it. They say things like, oh, Jaime, you can't kill him. Let me show you why. But it's just kind of doing it in the most monotone way. Don't kill Jaime. him, Jaime. It's like, yeah. Don't kill him, Jaime. <laughs> yeah, uh... exactly. Potentially when he bonds with the suit more, the voice should become more and more human. I, I, I'm i not a big Blue Beetle reader in the comics, but I do know that in the comics, Jaime and the voice, I can't remember the, the exact name, but like the scarab, they have more of a dynamic between each other and it is very much more like tony stark and jarvis that kind of thing you know the person in your ear it's always much more interesting when they have something to say and you know like they can and i think yeah obviously the movie tries that but it doesn't quite get there entirely it kind of reminded me with venom and eddie brock's dynamic like that i wish there was something more like that you know like it's kind of like funny you know you know kind of exploring the scarab and also exploring harme as well you know like we're gonna be seeing them in the dcu so yeah i wish there was something to explore with that you know not have like a computer generated voice but like this is the scarab you know it should be Mm. making an entrance to harme so yeah i wish there was something like that yeah there was one scene that reminded me a lot of Zack snyder's just league where the camera literally goes into Jaime's eyes and we see Ah, his kind of like cerebral manifestation of his dad and of the scarab and this is the point where his dad kind of tells him that you can be this hero and you can be one with the scarab and it can be a good thing and that was really cool and you know like they kind of touched like the creation the image and that's the moment when he gets full control and that was really cool i really like this whole idea that he doesn't want to be a superhero and he's just kind of thrown straight into it and he's you know like he can't control the suit and especially in that first time when he goes and it immediately sends him into space then straight back down and he's cutting buses in half and he just doesn't know what he's doing he's trying to control it but there really is no way to get through and yeah i like that arc for him that that's kind of what he figures out by the end yeah there were some really good arcs in this film but Hame's arc really stood out for me i wish there was some different arcs but my favorite was nana <laughs> oh my god <laughs> it was just she so great had yeah. some great laughs in the movie yeah like she didn't do anything at all but it was just like visual comedy she's just his grandma but then it just turns in the most unexpected way she's got like this gatling gun out of the ship <laughs> and, then, and then she's like puts her hair down it's just like this badass character that we get to see uh, <laughs> our grandma which is really nice to see you know like uh, an yeah. unexpected family member that turns into a really badass character so props to that i'm glad they done something with this family dynamic 
There's one bit where the mother says, like, we need to talk about your grandma's revolutionary past. And it's like, yeah, you're right. Like, a lot of movies would just have the grandma as, as scene dressing, as somebody yeah. to be old and frail and, you know, kind of screaming. Oh, in, no. In... Yeah. <laughs> exactly like that. And yeah, then like... maybe, like, the, the grandma would give, like, an emotional speech at one point. It's very Aunt May. That's kind of what you expect. But <laughs> yeah, I like how this Aunt movie May. kind of twists it. And I think that what you were saying before about Rudy... We all have a weird uncle. We all just have weird <laughs> family members. And Rudy is the guy. Like, oh my God, I love yeah. that they, they weren't afraid to just go wacky with it. They were like, yeah, we've got this family. And you're like, <laughs> the Nana has like a, a shady past. And the uncle is just like absolutely crazy. And yeah, just like, insane. Just making inventions. It's really nice to see, you know, this crazy dynamic. Yeah. Yeah. Again. One of the best bits is where... Jaime takes the uncle's car and <laughs> Rudy just screams. He's like, oh! he doesn't let anyone else drive. And then he faints. He, he, he faints. He's yes. like, oh. he just like collapses on the floor. Amazing. Uh, there were some other funny moments in the film. My favorite was one of the guards at this place. They saw oh the, my massive, God. the massive Blue Beetle ship. And then he was looking at it too with his binoculars and he took him down and he said, he said one word and this one word bug. <laughs> He just looked, he's like, bug. <laughs> like, I don't know if it was supposed to be a funny moment or not. I don't know if he was realizing what was going on. I don't know if he realized it was bug. just like crazy. Well, just what a what oh a wacky God. moment. It just felt like he had like existential dread. He went, bug. He just <laughs> yeah. looked at the sky and he's like, oh my God, it's the bug. Oh, yeah. loved it. Yeah, yeah I loved think the movie, it. the movie was good in its comedy and it managed to balance that well with the emotions, which, you know. Yeah, I agree. It, it's not always the easiest to do, but I feel like they struck that quite well. And it feels like a surreal world. It feels like a world that isn't quite our own. The main city in the movie is all neon and it's all got holograms and it feels completely, yeah. very cyberpunk. It feels nothing like any of the other, like they mentioned Central City and Metropolis. It feels different to those. And that's great yeah. because, you know, in the comics, these cities do feel different. That's what I love to see on screen. And so I love that, that we're kind of going to different places, but also there are those kind of real world political elements that we get to explore yeah. as well. So it's not just all, you know, this kind of hyper-realized place there is also stuff that we can kind of attach to our own reality you know like there are talk about immigration and kind of crossing the yeah. border and you know like whether you have your papers or not and how people see cleaning staffs particularly latino cleaning staff like it balances those things incredibly well and i really hope it's a sign of what's to come for the dceu i hope that we see a metropolis that looks like a metropolis like it looks really really you know like high on the ground and has like just like this art deco look and i hope we have a gotham that is dark and dingy and horrible yeah. And disgusting and i just hope that all these different places when we get starling city and central city and and keystone city i hope that all these places you know do feel different and unique because that's what yeah. this film it, it yeah, crafts its own identity in a wonderful way yeah it has this balanced world of this place you get to see this bustling huge towers in the city and then you get to see the rough areas and it's just like you know exploring his family but also exploring you know different sides to this world and i thought that was focusing on the family you know what issues they went through you know with the immigration and you know how much they really sacrificed for this family so yeah they really expressed for this idea of community this idea of family and we get to see this so it's just a really nice film and it just 
gets a lot of heart into it. So yeah, as you said, we should have like different places, you know, in the DCU that are just so self-realized, but also has a different emotion to it. You know, like Gotham that is dark, but there's a little bit of hope in it. Metropolis that is busy, but there's some villains in the rest of the side in that place. And then Central City, just get those and create this really nice universe. Yeah, and we don't really know exactly the plan with the DCU. We still don't really have a clear picture of that. But there is, you know, we know that superheroes exist in this universe. We know that obviously Ted Cord was the original Blue Beetle. And in the post-credits scene, we know that he's alive. So I'm sure we'll explore that if we get a sequel. We can see that there are different layers of things that are happening, which I think is really interesting because in the DCEU with Man of Steel, it was like Superman is the, the first superhero. Oh, and by the way, Batman's been doing it for 20 years. Oh, and Wonder Woman was there in the 40s and in the 80s. Oh, and also there was the Age of Heroes. Like, it wasn't ever clear. And obviously that's fine. I I don't mind that they were adding things because I think they made it work. But I'm curious as to how this world's going to do it. James Gunn recently confirmed that his Superman isn't necessarily an early Superman. So, you know, we're going to get Superman a couple of years into his run. Obviously, Batman will already have a child when we get to the Brave and the Bold. They'll be introducing Supergirl and Swamp Thing and established characters. So I'm curious how they're going to do this. How they are going to make it work with the different characters all yeah. living at the same time? Because obviously, at some point... I assume the DCU will form the Justice League. And, you know, like, is that going to be a pre-existing thing? Is that, are they going to do like a a Justice League origin? It's all so interesting, this new universe. And I feel like this is exciting. Like when I watched The Flash, I was terrified. But this, Blue Beetle, it makes it exciting again. And that's great. And even when you do have some of the more stupid parts of the film, like when the villain steps out in his huge like battle armor <laughs> that just looks like one of the robots in Lightyear, and it was it was ridiculous and you know he's fighting blue beetle in the sky and it looks weightless it looks a bit silly but even when you have that stuff i feel like he's outshined by the world building and the character building and yeah. even some of the really great action scenes there's some really really cool one take moments with blue beetle taking out like a load of guards like that was really really great yeah yeah my favorite weapon in this from blue beetle suit was this massive sword that was just so cool because i'm a massive fan of this manga series called berserk and berserk has this guy who has this massive sword it's like a great sword but it's like completely massive and it just gave me like yes we got something that is like this big sword it's just like really cool so i'm glad they looked into like different weapons for blue beard to create this variety of this you know what is this scary really so yeah, it's just so self-realized. Yeah, I really like yeah. it. Yeah, and also on your point about weapons as well, a lot of it is non-lethal. There's a lot of Blue Beetle saying, whoa, 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 don't want to kill anyone. And that is really great because at the end he goes far and he almost does kill the villain while he, yeah. when he doesn't know the full story. Like That's really cool. Especially in worlds of, you know, like the MCU where the heroes are almost forced to kill. Like, you know when, oh, yeah. you know when Spider-Man activates instant kill and he just goes crazy in yeah. Endgame, and he just kills all of all of the Outriders. In a world where that is, you know, like the commonplace, I do like it where some of these films are still trying to keep characters who don't kill, because that's always interesting. You know, I always find that really interesting when a superhero can't kill or won't kill, or maybe goes too far and does kill. I think that all becomes part of what makes each hero individual and unique. And just, I think it was the little things in this movie. It was the little things in Blue Beetle that really made me appreciate it and 
hope that people go see it because you know I don't know how well it's going to do but it's probably not going to do very well and I, I do hope that people give it a shot because I think it's a lot better than DC's other offerings in the past year yeah especially what we had to go through for the flash that made me really worried I was like oh no oh yeah we're stuck in this but anyway yeah blue beetle <laughs> go watch it it's a really nice film it's lots of fun what would you give it out of 10 tom oh he's asking me now okay <laughs> i see how it is uh i'm gonna give it an eight out of ten same i'm gonna give it an eight out of ten it's a great film fantastic it's fun so go see it, it is it's, it's refreshing yeah Absolutely. Tons of fun. Thank you, everybody, for listening. If you enjoyed it and listening on YouTube, you can like and subscribe if you want to see more. And if you're listening on Spotify, you can follow and give us a five-star review if you think we're worthy. Next week, it's our three-year special. And to oh, celebrate, we will be doing yeah. none other than Suzume. It's our first anime oh, that we, we, we covered on the pod. You know, we watched it a while back. We recorded the episode a while back. But what a movie. I'm yes. so excited for that. Yeah, I'm excited to see that on the pod because Suzume is just one of those films where you have to get lost into this whole world. It's just like one of the cinema experiences where you want to go back and it's just like, wow. It is our first animated Yeah, yeah, film. it is, yeah. Animate, yeah. So hopefully in the future we can talk about some anime films. Hopefully it's the start yeah. of a lot of anime coverage because there are some absolutely fantastic anime films and yes. TV shows. There was just the Scott Pilgrim Takes Off trailer, which yes. looks incredible. You know, Incredible, like that. yes. Ooh, that's going to be yeah. so good. Yeah, and especially one of my favorite shows of all time, Cowboy Bebop, its creator, Shinichiro Watanabe, I'm sorry if I butchered that name, he has a new show that's coming out, I don't know yes. when, but it's called Lazarus. And yes. oh my god, I'm so excited for it because the music, oh, the music is just so, so cool. So I cannot wait, you know. To see yeah, I'd love, to, I'd love to cover that. We're going to need to start doing two episodes a week at this point. Yeah, hopefully we can, you know, cover some of the stuff that we want to cover as well. So Definitely. yeah, comment down if you want to hear two episodes per week. I don't know, but we'll, we'll see what we want to cover next time mm. somewhere or somewhere somehow. But <laughs> yeah. We'll get somewhere that. over the rainbow and you can yeah. send us an email at house time film pod let us know your thoughts on susan may and you know anime in general ask us any questions we'll answer it right here on the podcast next week and you can follow us on instagram at house time film pod to see your incredible thumbnails from zayn Assel on twitter for more thoughts from me and tiktok to see edited clips which are also on instagram reels and youtube shorts and you can find links to all that in the description below thanks to l jones mayor for the excellent theme and ronan phillips vocals as always and i think thank you yes. that is everything that is everything thank you for listening thank you we can cannot wait to release Susan May next week. So yeah, it's been such a long time since that. Yeah, thank you for listening. Take what you're given. Give nothing back. Goodbye. Goodbye.